Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the uncensored history of Area 51. Mysteries, conspiracies, and downright creepy stories surround Area 51. There are rumors about the highly classified Air Force Base in Nevada being home to everything from alien life to clandestine military operations. Some conspiracy theories speculate it houses a massive global coalition capable of manipulating governments and economies around the world. In 2011, journalist Annie Jacobson published her first book, Area 51, An Uncensored History of America's Top Secret Military Base, in which she proposes another theory. According to Jacobson, Area 51, also known as Groom Lake, became the site of several top-secret government weapons technology programs. Jacobson's work contains extensive research and interviews with former, with former employees, reopening the possibilities of what's inside Area 51. Joining me today, again, is Deb. Two weeks in a row! Yay! Two weeks! Did great. Lots of uh, lots of downloads last week, everybody. I think uh, we got that female... Uh, Coali- Deb's female coalition stepping up. Is that what that is? I think so. I'm just interesting. That's I think I think you it. are interesting. It it's, uh, gives us a whole new depth uh, into the show. Bill will be back in a couple weeks. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be um, hitting up some interesting topics in between. So uh, tell us a, bit, a little bit about the uh, famed area, Deb. So Area 51's famed aliens were allegedly genetically altered and abused children. Many of the conspiracy theories around Area 51 deal with aliens, specifically those that allegedly crashed at Roswell in 1947. According to Jacobson, there were no aliens in 1947. The mysterious disc-shaped aircraft was a Soviet ship created by former Nazi scientists. She speculates the, quote, aliens in the vessel were children Pilots who were once subject of Joseph Stalin's experiments. You know, one of the members of ABBA really was one of those Nazi Experimental children. Nazi... Yeah, those special bred children. Yeah. yeah. I heard that. I had heard that story before. Yeah. But it's interesting. Did you know about the uh, genetically altered I've, children? I've from... heard that theory from a certain husband <laughs> here and there. <laughs> I just didn't know if you knew that. I'd heard it, yes. Jacobson recounts what the Air Force found when they investigated the crash. Unusually petite for pilots, they appeared to be children. Each was under five feet tall. Physically, the bodies of the aviators revealed anatomical conundrums. They were grotesquely deformed, but each in the same manner as the others. They had unusually large heads and abnormally shaped oversized eyes. Like one of those paintings. I know, huh? Yeah, one of those 70s paintings. <laughs> yeah. One fact was clear. These children, if that's what they were, were not healthy humans. A second fact was shocking. Two of the child-sized aviators were comatose, but still alive. Ew. Investigators took everything from the ship to an Air Force base in Ohio, where the materials remained until 1951. When they arrived in Nevada at Area 51, American scientists studied the advanced technology, using it in many programs over the next several several decades. Well, some engineers pillaged 
Soviet technology for their own gains. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. <laughs> Engineers so... would not pillage. Borrowed. Borrowed at the, uh, as Vikings. the U.S. kind of coerced them into, uh, hey, you know what? Vikings pillaged. <laughs> we borrow. Oh, yeah. The Soviet aircraft, which allegedly crashed in Roswell in 1947, later making its way to Area 51, was significantly more advanced than anything the military had developed at that time. Scientists couldn't determine how it hovered or flew. They believe Nazi aerospace engineers Walter and Reimer Horton designed the flying disc. When the U.S. tracked down the Horton brothers in 1948, they confirmed they had, in fact, worked with the Soviets on aerospace technology. In understanding the perplexing machine, however, Vannevar Bush, a Manhattan Project scientist and former scientist advisor to President Franklin Roosevelt, proposed a solution. He ordered engineers to dismantle the craft and reassemble the pieces to understand its mechanisms. Did we just get a package? <laughs> Stalin's child pilots were supposedly the product of Joseph Mengele's eugenics program. The American public would have felt terrified and shocked about Soviet aircraft making its way into U.S. aerospace. However, if they knew who supposedly manned the ships, the response would have involved outrage. In, in Jacobson's book, she details how Stalin allegedly enlisted former Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele to create a group of small, deformed pilots to fly his mysterious discs. Mengele entered into an agreement with Stalin in 1945, shortly before the end of World War II. According to Jacobson, Stalin told Mengele if he could create a crew of grotesque... Do they have to be grotesque? I, you know, I you, could they just be cute little kids? Make some grotesque children. <laughs> <laughs> Child-sized aviators. Russia would gift him in a labor laboratory to continue his work. <laughs> I, need, I need some ugly kids. <laughs> Mengele held up his side of the Faustian bargain and provided Stalin with a child-sized crew. Stalin did not. Mengele never took up residence in the Soviet Union. <laughs> Mengele later escaped to Paraguay and then Brazil. He assumed the identity of another former Nazi, Wolfgang Gerhardt. Why would you assume the identity of another Nazi? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well, you know, Mengele is pretty popular. Dr. Mengele. Well, now, I mean, he's much more popular than this So guy. then he became Wolfgang Gerhardt and died in 1979. His identity remained unverified until 1985. I think Gerhardt was a bad guy, too, as I remember. There was something bad well, about him. Well, he's a Nazi. Well, that, just, yeah. Isn't, that, <laughs> isn't it applied? <laughs> it's implied. I think you're, you know... I, 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 Am I anti-Nazi? Would you like to discuss that? <laughs> If you're anti-Nazi, but I, you know, it's like I, I think you're labeling. You know, it's I like... am. We're getting you a new chair. God, I hate that chair. <laughs> uh, what Jacobson say? Jacobson interviewed one of the former engineers who worked on the remains of the 1947 crash and asked him why President Truman didn't tell the American people what happened. According to the engineer, the priority was advancing science at any cost, including keeping Stalin's, Stalin's machinations a secret. Ooh, secrecy. Secrecy, Se that's all. It's all about the secret. Area 51 was possibly home to several government agencies' secret programs. 
course it was. Housing the Roswell Crash's secrets at Area 51 meant the classified facility became home to numerous covert programs. From 1951 forward, the Atomic Energy Commission, Department of Defense, and the CIA, it's all these, everybody, all house secret programs at Area 51. What if they found about, hey, now that's my office. That's my program. I want the corner office. (laughs) Using the facility and its surrounding lands to conduct tests, push scientific limits, and create potentially controversial technologies. Like grotesque, oh no, okay, I don't think they did Grotesque children. They'll leave that to the Russians and the Germans. According to Jacobson, the almost 5,000 square miles of Area 51 are home to the Nevada test site, a 1,350-square-mile swath of land featuring hundreds of underground and surface-level nuclear explosion. Wow. You know, That's not a quiet place We're looking at out. something that, area, that I believe Area 50, and this was actually included in this uh, mm-hmm. publication. That's, that's an SR-71. It might be an A-12. I, I, they were very. That was the early I, version. SR seventy one. I don't know the difference. So you don't know can the say difference. Whatever you want. Okay. That, okay. I fooled you then. <laughs> the CIA <laughs> allegedly developed planes to fly three times faster than the speed of sound. And in nineteen fifty nine, that was really? with. Could that be possible? That's this a, aircraft. Yes. That was big made right there. In nineteen fifty nine. How could that be possible? Could because it be possible that they had mutant children? Or. Alien technology. <gasps> Not aliens. That aircraft right there, the SR-71, was mm-hmm. built in 59. Operation Oxcart aimed to develop an airplane five times faster than any craft constructed by the U.S. military. The government awarded the plane's contract to Lockheed Aircraft Corporation in 1959, and their mechanics and engineers toiled for weeks at Area 51. Oh, with all that nuclear stuff, all these bombs they're setting off. <laughs> they created a plane called the A-12, an aircraft requiring a longer runway and more fuel, not to mention a fleet of airplanes for training, transportation, and monitoring. The CIA allegedly approved the delivery of a dozen A-12 planes to Area 51, where the government expanded the facility's air- airspace to account for the craft's capabilities. As Area 51 prepared for their arrival, Workers stayed on a need-to-know basis. When the A-12 arrived, the airplane resembled a Cobra with wings. Lewis Schock controlled the first test flights. Initial airborne attempts entailed an unsteady plane with parts of the fuselage falling off. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Not quite assembled, huh? Unsafe at any speed. The A-12 didn't successfully take off until March 1962, which is still... Yeah, still phenomenal. A long, long time there, ago. There's another picture of it because you know I'm keeping that bit. That's one of my favorite aircraft. That's a good picture. Operation Oxcart might have taken the CIA to some dark places. Once the A-12, also known as Oxcart, an Oxcart, entered testing rotation for the Air Force, pilot Ken Collins became responsible for flying it. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, that's that's the aircraft that Brian Scholl. That oh, we went to the seminar. Went, that's that, that's the aircraft that he flew. And, oh, you know, cool! So anyone wanting to, and he was a pilot. Anyone uh, wanting to see Mr. Scholl's uh, experiences, um, he uh, signed it. I I got the book. Got that big coffee table book of the SR, his SR seventy one publication, and uh, he wrote in it, uh, "Not UFO technology." So yeah, he's you're he, not buying it. Yeah, he's not buying it. So. Uh, when pilots experienced problems with the plane, the CIA continued to pool its resources and energy into the project. As tensions with Cuba rose, the A-12 was an ut- of utmost importance. 
Pilots had to keep the A-12 classified. The CIA allegedly once attempted to hypnotize Collins so he'd forget about his A-12 crashed. I guess we didn't discuss... Oh, yeah, it must have been wings flying off. What do I tell you by the wings and the things falling apart in the air? Collins recalls scientists injecting him with thiopental, and he met with a CIA doctor at the medical facilities in Area 51. The doctor tried very hard to put me in a trance, only it didn't work. I don't think he realized that hypnotizing a fighter pilot might not be as easy as he thought it would be. In 1957, the Atomic Energy Commission began Operation Plum Bob. Plum Bob. Plum Bob, Area 51. Operation Plum Bob involved the detonation of 29, 29, 29. atomic bombs. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> Between May and October 1957, one of the most extended series of nuclear weapons tests conducted in the United States, according to Jacobson. Because really, you know, you're going to have to do it somewhere, right? Yes. Nearly 7,000 civilians were badged to work at the test site during Operation Plum Bob. Another 14 to 18,000 employees of the Department of Defense also participated, official figures do vary. Oh, yeah. Well, 14 you know, to 18,000 18, or 100. <laughs> or, we we yeah. don't know. Despite concerns about contamination and fallout, which led to proposals of canceling the tests entirely, the government assured the American public, of course they did, and the world at large, yes. the tests were necessary. The New York Times published a partial schedule of bomb detonations, which gave tourists a chance to see a mushroom cloud on summer vacation. That is great. That's so American. They're all dead now. <laughs> as, the test, as the test progressed, viewers could see detonation flashes as far south and north as Mexico and Canada. Oh, that's great, respectively. Scientists reportedly used Area 51 to test high-altitude nuclear weapons. I actually have talked to... Well, I haven't talk to people but i've talked to people that knew people that were there that had you see those i don't know if you've ever seen that they built those town that town right to and then they shoot this thing off and they're in trenches so they're all in trenches but they're protected because they're in those trenches you know oh yeah the trench will protect you <laughs> so scientists at area 51 attempted to develop and test a nuclear rocket capable of launching from space. In 1958, the U.S. government experimented with high-altitude atomic weapons. Operation Argus involved shooting nuclear weapons into space from ships in the South Atlantic. James Killian ran Operation Argus, and he believed a nuclear explosion occurring above the Earth's atmosphere, but within the Earth's magnetic field, might produce an electronic pulse that could hypothetically damage the arming devices of the Soviet ICBM warheads. However, it never worked. Well, they could damage something. Have you ever heard of beta testing? Anyway, <laughs> according to Jacobson, Killian, it's kind of ironic, his name's Killian, Killian yeah. announced, I don't know if that's his real name, dropping uh -huh. a bomb from a satellite would prove reckless, and it was too cumbersome to put one in space. Well, you think, Jesus, the Department of Defense might have used Area 51 to develop a nuclear-based space rocket program. Area 51 served as home base to Operation NERVA, which stands for Nuclear Engine for Rocket Vehicle Application. Yeah, it's 
<laughs> that doesn't sound dangerous. An effort by NASA and the, and the Air Force to send astronauts to Mars using nuclear power. Oh, strap me to a nuclear power. Yeah, rocket. but you know what? It's like, yeah, but think of it. I mean, it's an unlimited source of power like the submarines have. It's years. I yeah, mean, why don't we do what that? What do you do when you get to Mars? Well, you, you know, we live there. <laughs> we like put up towns and stuff just, and then we have bubbles those big bubbles oh god well haven't you seen the martian yeah I what have. did he do he lived there what was he there like a year how long was he he there? was there for a while him and his potatoes <laughs> him and his potatoes um so these organizations intended the late 1960s program as a public enterprise but the details remained a secret, so we don't know anything about. <laughs> it's a secret. Nuclear, it's a secret. nuclear rockets to Mars. Isn't it long enough where they can tell us now? You'd think. What we just, <laughs> just so we can laugh about what this shit they wanted to do, you know? Well, it's crazy. I mean, you know, back in the day, it's you know anything. It's we well, have to try. No holds barred. You right. got to do it. Well, you got to try. You I know? Mean, look at all the or shit they were learning back then. From Worker, those aliens. <laughs> workers entered an un, entered underground bunkers where they were developing a massive nuclear oh, engine Jesus. through a series of passages, tunnels, and some laughing because I can just imagine what goes on. Oh. Like you see in those science fiction <laughs> movies, those giant steel doors. That's right. And the floor's all shiny and they run golf carts all up and down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when it was in full power, Jacobson says, Nerva. Operated at a temperature of 2,300 Kelvin. Do you know how much, what, what's the temperature of 20? I mean, how much Fahrenheit is that? 3,680.6. Oh, you're good. Holy I'm, crap. Right in my head. <laughs> Which meant it had to be cooled by liquid hydrogen on a permanent basis. Oh, great. What do you think about that, huh? That sounds kind of frightening. So, at and one point in 1965, Phoebus... An iteration of Nerva suddenly ran out of liquid hydrogen. Oh, this is another one of those things where... To the, to the store we go. Well, it's like, don't you guys have a gauge that shows how much hydrogen you have? Oh, someone, somebody has to watch that and what, you know, those things. Yeah, might... We discussed something that happened the other on the another episode where, oh, they just ran out of fuel. It's like, dude. My timer malfunctioned on the oven today and i overcooked some cookies i know how this happens fuel it up what i overcooked a few cookies because the timer you malfunctioned i know it's okay there were more oh, okay just want to make sure and they weren't burnt they just they were are little... those cookies are they did you burn those they cookies? were just a little overdone but okay but timers malfunction All right. All that's right. what i'm trying to say they overheated in the blink of an eye just like <laughs> just like your cookies. just like phoebus <laughs> area 50 called in hazmat teams to clean up the radiation. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, just my. So what happened? Okay, so what I'm thinking is, okay, what happened? It, it, they, we don't know what really happened. I mean, they're making it sound like, yeah, just this and that. Maybe and they did this. And it's like they got those... it isn't shit, and everybody lived, and, everybody, and it's like no. Maybe that's where you get the deformed children. <laughs> Holy crap. When nearby, oh, I love this name, Caliente, Caliente, Nevada, reported iodine one thirty one. A radioactive byproduct of nuclear processes. In their water supply in the 60s, the Pentagon denied any nuclear testing took place. One nuss. The engine went underground only three days 
before iodine appeared. Okay, so it went underground three days before. Before the iodine, yeah. Now that would make sense, wouldn't it? Oh, it's it's totally. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with that. It's totally unrelated, and eventually, funding for Nerva faltered. Nerva and, and public interest. Nerva and Phoebus. I love that. <laughs> um, public interest in reaching Mars just waned. Who knows? You know. But it's back now. Well, of course, President Nixon officially canceled the project in 1973. Is that right? Before he quit. That he didn't quit. He got fired. No. <laughs> or the, they, oh, they the allowed, other time? They allowed him to resign. Oh, okay. All right. After the U.S. signed treaties to stop nuclear testing, Area 51 supposedly still buzzing with bombs. Buzzing with bombs. I love that. <laughs> the, the same person runs our news station. Uh-huh. The United States signed the limited nuclear test ban treaty with the Soviet Union and Great Britain in 1963. Jacobson claims the treaty neither ended nuclear testing in the U.S. nor stopped nuclear technology development. You think? We're still in the they 50s and 60s. They just stopped talking about it. Yeah, it's a secret. At Area 51, testing moved underground. See? And the Pentagon reversed its policy of announcing when nu- nuclear weapon tests okay, would take Okay, it's not happening place. if you don't tell anybody. Well, That's the, the government now where are people going to go on their vacation? What? You just ruined their vacations. People were going on vacation to watch the nuclear weapons, and now you cancel it. These people it's like now closing Disneyland. It's a good thing Disneyland opened in the fifties. <laughs> the, the tests became classified. Everybody's as, glowing in there. <laughs> the tests became classified, and the government made public statements only when a tremor or other detectable event occurred. I will admit it. When a tremor. Caught. What was that? Oh, just a nuclear bomb underground. Despite the treaty, the government conducted conducted around 800 tests underground. Oh my God, the ground around the world. That's a lot of earthquakes. That wasn't an earthquake, son. Well, that's where my that's my dad went to the when he was in Vegas. He took the The bus ride. Oh, he went out there. Yeah, he took the bus ride out to the yeah to that the test range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he said no cameras, no recording equipment whatsoever. But they throw you on a bus and take you out there and let you walk around. What if you walked around that fake town that they had? That blew, I don't know. They blew he didn't up. say. You'll have to ask him. At all. In those, you could see it in because the, they had cameras everywhere. and they, they You see these recordings in different movies where as a blast, all the trees like bent all over. Yeah. And then the the town just vaporized by this massive you know gush. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, that's why you do it under underground so it won't hurt anything. We it's gotta all, see, get up, gotta see how it works when you're all, using it. It's all against better. the enemy. <laughs> Even after President Clinton signed the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty in '96, the development and storage of weapons of mass destruction, oh. principally nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons, continued. Shocking. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, this is DARPA, something Bill and I talk about a lot. Sounds like DARPA. A branch of the Department of Defense still had designs of nuclear bumper bunk. says bumper Bumper buster technology. I think that's supposed to be bunker buster. I don't know. Well, it might be bumper buster. Bumper buster. So how about a little word from our sponsor there, Deb, before we get too far in? Okay, here we go. At Orion BCS, their goal is to find the best program and rates available for your business. Their team has years of experience helping clients find lower rates for processing credit cards. They understand that every business is different, so let them spend the time to find out what suits your business best. So, visit orionbcs.com 
and let them begin the process towards saving you money to help you realize your financial goals. Once again, visit orionbcs.com and contact them today. All programs of Orion BCS are subject to terms and conditions. Visit orionbcs.com for more details. Well said. Thank you, Orion. We appreciate the effort and the uh, support, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... What would happen if people actually stormed Area 51? There was just recently, I was listening to a news on one of something I listened to, and they were talking about a guy who tried to steal a plane. He had a whole bunch of explosions, and he tried to steal a plane, and he was going to fly to Area 51. He, he went to the Vegas airport, a bunch of explosives trapped to, to himself, wanted to steal a jet, not just a plane, but he yeah. was going to get him a jet, fly to Area 51 and find out what the hell was going on. Do you know how fast he would have got his ass shot off? Well, pretty he quick. pretty did. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't have made yeah. it. He if wouldn't he... have made as soon as they would have identified him not communicate, he probably just wouldn't communicate. It's like, well, yeah. we're gonna have to shoot him down. Well, I mean, as soon as you leave in a jet, they're you know, you're kind of trackable. Yeah. So the airport took care of him pretty quickly, but I just thought that was funny that he That is that was is that was his goal. I if I didn't dumb. know where you were, you'd think, Oh, Doug and Bill, they're out there. Doug and Bill aren't to... interested in, we know what would happen. We, <laughs> both of us were in the military. We know. We know things. We know that that is not the brightest thing to do. So tell us about the Storm Area 51. Storm Area 51 weekend. Now, this is something I was really looking forward to. I, I was we, even, were, we I, were following it on I TV. I was following it, but I'm not really thinking. Is uh, again, not the best plan of action to storm government a military facility <laughs> they have gun. i don't know if you i don't know if you got the memo but they have lots of guns in there and um they probably got stuff in there that you don't even want to know about the weekend had neither raids nor aliens but it wasn't a bust a meme what is a meme Deb? a meme is one of those little pictures and then somebody puts a funny saying on them like you know grumpy cat or something like so a that. meme this thing was just a meme uh-huh. it sent thousands in i just heard it and then followed it after a meme sent thousands into the desert and they didn't come back totally empty-handed despite what was promised by the meme that inspired the trip didn't see them aliens in the middle of nowhere nevada storm area 51 weekend was the irl outgrowth of a viral facebook joke that implored all interested parties to storm Area 59. They can't stop all of us. Yeah, no, they. Well, they can sure as hell stop enough of you, <laughs> so in, that the ones behind you can't get over the bodies. Yeah, the ones in front are screwed. <laughs> but all that was found were the offline remains of an online phenomenon. An overdwindling number of people who were committed enough to trek out into the Nevada desert, some 100 miles away from the urbanity, spent Friday. Oh. Saturday and Sunday, dithering around the near empty towns of Rachel and Eco. And I've never, this I saw this come up and I wasn't aware of Eco, so I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It was unclear if anyone was really in charge. Little was planned. Zero aliens were in attendance. But thankfully, no one tried to break into Area 51. Actually, there was like a group of a couple of guys that uh-huh. kind of like did the run. They and go they, knock, knock they on got, the door. Well, there's a fence and they got slapped down pretty quickly. <laughs> We're coming in. <laughs> in the town of Rachel, what came to be known as 
Alien Stock. Oh, oh that, yeah. That's a good just one. Just like Woodstock. Just like Woodstock was. Wonder if it was all the drugs that Woodstock had. <laughs> probably. They probably would have done it if they. Oh no, they had that thing. I don't know. I don't, they had that thing where they would, or they would run. They had this magic run they would do. They would stick their head forward. They uh-huh. would put their arms back, and if they all did that at once, they could get through. They could get through the gates. Yeah, well, least son of them probably could. But. Momentum will take you far, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, Alien Stock was designed as a festival for anyone who was so transfixed by a joke about raiding Area 51 that were willing to gather in the desert to celebrate it. But the event didn't live up to dreams. The dream set forth by its creator, 21-year-old Bakersfield, California native Maddie Roberts who had intentionally, or initially, <laughs> excuse me, planned to turn his viral meme into a movement. Apparently that's all they have to do in good old Bakersfield. And well, Bakersfield <laughs> is a very exciting place. In July, Roberts had created a fake Storm Area 51 event on Facebook. I joined that, but I didn't go. Of course go. you did. Arbitrarily setting the date. I just want to miss the date. It was September 20th. I couldn't go. I was doing something. Mm-hmm. After more than... Two million people RSVP'd, and of course, the good old FBI showed up at his house to investigate. Yeah. He tried to leverage his 15 minutes of internet fame. Yeah, by getting audited for the rest of his life. Yeah, you're on every list. (laughs) A gag about attacking a military facility in search of whatever the government might be hiding there rapidly snowballed into plans for a music-filled weekend of EDM DJs playing against a backdrop of alien imagery. That sounds well, yeah. right up your alley. That's what I'm talking about. Robert spent... BYOB. Yeah. <laughs> Robert spent the rest of the summer encouraging people to head out to Rachel, the town's closest the town closest to Area 51 for live performances and a meeting of the meme minds. <laughs> a meme minds. He called the events alien stock. That's just so freaking original. <laughs> then drama ensued. I like it. Roberts bailed on his original plan less than two weeks ahead of time over, quote, security concerns due to the town's lack of amenities. Yeah, where are you going to poo? <laughs> but the town of Rachel trudged forward with its own version of alien stock, rechristened alien hyphen stock, because that's <laughs> hugely different, to avoid confusion and legal trouble. Yeah, because Alien Stock was already taken uh-huh. without the hyphen. Okay. While Roberts converted his original version into a more impersonal Thursday night dance party in downtown Vegas. Oh, there you go. That's much better, right? We uh-huh. love Vegas. The jokes about finding aliens mostly manifested as overpriced, in overpriced alien t-shirts and some special edition. Oh, hell yeah. Bud Light. Bud Light. And little that spoke to the meme's original spirit. At one point, the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department estimated that up to 30,000 people might travel to Rachel and Area 51 throughout the weekend. In the end, a spokesperson told Vox about 6,000 people made it out. Oh, that's not 30,000. Visitors weren't exactly met with open arms by Rachel's 54 54 residents who mostly wanted to be left alone. But to many who drove out in RVs and pitched tents, alien... Hyphen stock was a successful <laughs> you experiment. Put the hyphen in there. A perfectly low key way to send off the summer. Yeah, let's go to a place that has fifty four residents and bother them. Oh, all. they did have a beer can with. Well, mm-hmm. I never got one of those. I don't know. I didn't even see it. They, I wonder if that was mass produced out. 
public one. Probably in state in Nevada. Ultimately, aliens, alien hyphen Spock, <laughs> came to function as, as so many spaces on the internet do. Somewhere that people in a very narrow niche could convene and find community. Kind of like, you know, motorcycle gangs. Yeah. To them, it didn't matter if alien hyphen stock <laughs> was bereft of extraterrestrial life. Rachel, Nevada always would always be the place where a very particular combo of alien enthusiasts, anime fans, and meme lovers found each other. Oh, that's so sweet. Whether alien stock was a success depends on who you ask. The town of Rachel is one of the only stops on a 160-mile stretch of highway that has zero gas stations and zero rest stops. Oh, well, I could. Here, make sure you get good yeah, mileage. Yes, so make sure if we go through there, we go fast. Cause, you know, we'll be taking your car. I need, to, I need to stop sometimes. But your car's not very fast. That's the point. No, it's not. <laughs> there are a few small homes and trailers and a single prominent business. Wonder what it is, but for the yeah, most I know. Time, <laughs> I know one, that one's in Barstow. But, we called her Barstow Betty. But one prominent <laughs> yeah. business, but they're not going to tell us what it is. Well, that's California. Um, but for the most part, Rachel is a large swath of dirt with a view of the Tickaboo Valley Mountains in the distance. Alien stock hardly changed that scenery. Yeah, that's the Area Fifty One area. Tickaboo. Entering Rachel at the start of. Area 51 weekend, it was clear the event would not be a gigantic dance party in the desert. Scattered across the open expanse of fenced-in dust were people of all ages. <laughs> mostly men, mostly white. Yep, surprise. Yeah, way to go. Many of whom have set up their own outdoor activities to keep themselves occupied. Oh, what were they doing? Playing some cornhole? <laughs> cornhole. <laughs> Outdoors invited. It was invented. Well, cornhole game. Twenty alien on it. Twenty-somethings through hatchets. At a haphazardly constructed <laughs> wooden target. Oh, don't walk behind the, the, the hatchet throwing area. Drinking beer and throwing hatchets. Yeah. That's a great plan. <laughs> a group of friends played a game that resembled oversized beer pong, <laughs> replacing the cups with garbage cans and the ping pong ball with a basketball. Oh, that's great because you want to fill that up with water, fill a gar garbage can up with water and throw a. Um, I think they didn't even put water. I don't think they had water out there. Well, because you just imagine the splash that would happen. As for whether beer was involved, you're not going to fill a garbage can with beer and throw a basket on it. As for whether beer was no, involved, drinking beer. I didn't notice anybody. Our author did not notice any beer, so you're no. not you're not trying. But the beer of choice for the weekend, both at Robert's event in Vegas and at Alien Stock in Rachel, was surely Bud Light's limited edition. Alien beer first oh. announced in July when the meme was at its height of popularity and very upsetting to Doug that he did not get a can of this. I'm going to get some of that and put it in in the studio here. Where are you going to find it? I don't. I'm going to look to online. It. You're going to have to eBay it. Yeah, well, whatever I got to do, but it's got to happen. I haven't seen any any of the antique stores we go to. I know that would be awesome. Attendees' outfits range from simple alien-themed T-shirts, which we have lots of those, to full alien get-ups rendered in head-to-toe green spandex. Oh, that'd be oh, that's comfortable pretty. in the Nothing desert. like a middle-aged white man <laughs> in spandex. With a beer belly. <laughs> to costumes from the anime series Naruto. I know you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Which played a role in the original Storm Area 51 meme. Various groups of people clustered together. 
under a cover of rare shade outside the Little Alien. Oh, that's their single business. Yeah. Rachel's aforementioned single business and the name host of Alien Stock. Named host. The only trees in Rachel, it seemed, surrounded this small hotel owned by a woman named Connie West. Oh, Connie. You got the only business in town. Yep. The Alien Inn. No one considered this very do-it-yourself weekend a success more than West, who became the de facto organizer of Alien hyphen stock after Roberts changed his plans. I'm proud of me, West told a small group of news outlets, including Vox on the second day of the event. I've never been to a festival in my life, and hell, I pulled it off. Look yeah, what it, I did. Yeah, and it sucked. So <gasps> whatever. How dare you? <laughs> so you shouldn't be so proud of yourself. Connie West, really... Connie West did okay. an amazing thing with her little alien. Well, I love, uh, you know, I, I love the alien, which we'll be going to at some point. Oh. I have to go there. I'm going to tell Connie you made fun of her. No, don't do it. She's probably got a ray gun. <laughs> West was painted as both a victim and villain in the run-up to Alien hyphen stock. Originally pitched as a weekend-long series of live performances hosted by Roberts and West's cooperation, Roberts ultimately blamed West for his decision to avoid Rachel altogether and host a Bud Light-sponsored party in Vegas that bored the Alien stock name. Oh, he saw dollar signs. Oh, yeah. Should have thought of that. We started realizing a lot more red flags, money mismanagement, things like that. Roberts told Vox of the first in-person planning meeting with West. And from there, me and my partners were collectively decided to take the Alien Stock brand and just associate it elsewhere. Where there's money. Because, there, yeah, where, where you can make something. Because there wasn't enough preparations that had been made so far to actually throw a party in that 11-day time frame that we had. Well, he must have been an English scholar in his when he went yeah, to school. Yeah, I know. It's hard to read. Robert said he feared that Rachel would be overwhelmed by people who wanted to see a meme come to life. Residents did, too, urging West and Roberts to call it off. The town's website, they have a website, run, run by a local named George R. New, and that's George spelled J-O-R-G, I'm assuming that's George, was updated frequently with blunt warnings about how Rachel wouldn't be able to handle the crowds, how West had no infrastructure in place, and how visitors would be disturbing the peace. Oh, I want to read the warning. You want to read the warning? Alien stock event. Warning. A little over two weeks out, no preparations have been made by the organizers... With no bands, very little infrastructure, and a lot of unhappy campers. Instead of paying big dollar, dollar, dollars for a campsite, please, something critters, please, visit, please yeah. visit Rachel another time. I think you cut off part of my yeah, man, thing there. That's possible. There's more words. West insisted that the event would continue when asked by the Associated Press one week after Alien, was, Alien Stock was scheduled to begin. I'm still doing the festival with alien stock name on it, she said. I'll just worry about the legalities later. There you Which go. that isn't very bright. That's either. my theory. We're, yeah, worry about the legalities later, yeah. Yeah, we'll just deal with that stuff later. Once we've had it, what are they gonna do? Yeah. A cease and desist letter came soon thereafter. Oops. The same with, one we're gonna get after we air this. <laughs> with Roberts demanding that West stop using the alien stock name and West pressing onward with the hyphenated alien hyphen stock. West also countered with a legal notice of her own, alleging that Roberts pulled out of the event unlawfully, though she later told media she had nothing but love for him. Oh, she's a bit of a schizoid. 
Perhaps that's why it took multiple attempts to track her down during Alien Stock Weekend itself, as she apparently spent Friday driving circles around town in her beige Volkswagen Beetle. Remember beige cars? Oh, yeah. It's coming back. No. Putty. They're called putty now. Oh, yeah. Now it's, but that's pretty. I saw this Beetle a handful of times throughout the weekend, always parked in different spots. I never did catch Connie at the wheel. Where is Connie? I asked an event volunteer. I don't know. I've been trying to get a hold of her for three months, the volunteer said. She worked for West at the Little Alien. But as soon as the Storm Area 51 meme went viral and the idea for alien stock materialized, West had become hard to reach. Leaving Rachel and its residents in the dark about what to expect. This apparent evasiveness played into my early impression and Robert's that the woman left with alien stock in her lap with less beleaguered than conniving, <gasps> conniving, skirting anyone wanting to discuss concerns that it would end up a chaotic, chaotic bust. No way. Thankfully, those concerns were not realized. Things at Area 51 itself remained peaceful, thanks to all the guns. Yeah. And in Rachel, <laughs> everyone seemed too exhausted by the heat or gently appreciative of the afternoon's live, live music to be belligerent. Not that there was much music anyway. There it is right there. On Friday, <laughs> one band. There's, <laughs> there's a stage. There's two guys in chairs. That's the band. <laughs> You're ready. So on Friday afternoon, a band called Wiley Savage played for a small crowd on what was otherwise a stage that held nothing but a turntable and a laptop. An unnamed DJ played slightly dusty radio hits like Skrillex and Justin Bieber's What Bieber's What Do You Mean? While a slight crowd stood and bopped their heads. Yeah. I see it. Though 20 bands had Beer. reportedly signed on to perform, only one actually showed up. Huh. That's too bad. What's you? Skrillex is a What's, band. Oh. You're the band. You're the band I, know my, I know my bands. The majority of the attendees seemed to be members of the press, which probably contributed to the lack of rowdiness. They didn't get what they wanted. Vloggers from Peru and journalists from Germany were covering the event alongside U.S.-based outlets like Vox. And our takeaways were similar. The lead-up to Alien Stock was more interesting and eventful than Alien Stock <laughs> itself. Alien Stock was an expensive experiment that didn't live up to the hype, but it wasn't a total disaster. The weeks of broken partnerships, widespread skepticism that Alien Stock would even happen, and low attendance did not phase the event's organizer. <laughs> to the little aliens, Connie West, alien stock was an unqualified success. You know, she drove that beetle around and was, well. it's been a great learning experience, West said, when she finally spoke to a group of reporters on Saturday. I'm grateful for the roller coaster of emotions that I've gone through, because without them, we wouldn't be standing here now. But what makes this special and the success is the smiles that people are leaving with the memories that they have made and the friendships they've made. That's what matters, Doug. That. The friendships. That really is, Deb. That's those really two amazing. people in lawn chairs. <laughs> it's hard to completely agree with that sentiment when taking into account the amount of money that local law enforcement spent on alien stock in anticipation of a much larger, more boisterous crowd. Lincoln County police officers and highway patrol seemed to outnumber actual attendees in the range of two to one, patrolling the perimeter of Rachel with little to do. Meanwhile, the police, who manned the 
Area 51 gate 10 miles out of Rachel seemed even more bored, but they were as cordial as I've ever seen a cop be. They had, I mean, the military let out a, a news release that yeah. basically just said, not got, a bright idea. We got this. Yeah, yeah you probably yeah. don't want to do this. Yeah. So, which is good, certainly. No one got hurt at Alien Stock. No property was damaged. But Sheriff Kerry Lee did tell Vox before the weekend that the estimated cost to Lincoln County, Nevada, could climb as high as $300,000. That's like their budget for three yeah, yeah, years. That, that would, yeah. We're looking at r- roughly between fire, EMS, and law enforcement, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 people working this event. Didn't have much to do. Lee told Vox the week before Alien Stock, adding... Just my small department alone, I'm looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of $30,000 just in overtime costs. That's not including the other law enforcement departments, another 100-plus officers that are coming in from the state on mutual aid. I'm glad they did all that, though, because usually this, these kinds of things happen and they don't, they don't, they don't, they're yep. not prepared. Yeah. We, and it's like, that isn't good, that they just anticipate, this is going to be a bust, though. We don't need to do anything all of a sudden. Right. Everybody's getting, there. The crowd's there, and that would have been really bad. When you add all those costs, you continue to, I think, the cost of just feeding of those 300 first responders was somewhere in the excess of what? What are they eating? $150,000. Sounds Nobody like a weekend at the butcher for us. Nobody packed a lunch. Despite a smaller number of visitors than expected, the cost stayed the same as the officers were already in place, even though the turnout was smaller than anticipated. Lee told Vox afterward that it's not a small sum and Rachel did not stand to make any of it back. Alien Stock was a free event, and vendors who set up shop for the weekend hardly seemed to be moving their wares. People would peruse tables where both visitors and locals were hawking $20 shirts that said Storm Area 51 or Alien Stock on them, but rarely picked them up. And that alien beer? The people selling it didn't seem to charge less than $10 for a measly can they brought into town with them from Vegas. Also, they imported some. But the low turnout and high cost of the county didn't seem to phase West. Well, because it didn't cost her anything. (laughs) Who was already thinking about Alien Stock 2020. Which didn't happen, by the way. Oh, good. COVID. (laughs) COVID. My mom already told me I was doing it again, West said. Oh, okay. It was a strange statement, one that drew laughs amid some skeptical eyebrow raising. (laughs) West is no party planner, despite her pride in Alien Stock and positive outlook. She seems like someone seeking approval and direction. Not unlike many of the people who made it out to Rachel, wanting to have fun with a meme without so much, without a game plan in mind. So to Wes, the weekend was worth it, and compared to something like the 2017 debacle that was the Fire Festival, yeah, that was bad. What was that? Which imploded after social media influencers paid, influencers paid high prices to stay in ritzy twelve thousand dollar tents that didn't exist, oh, wow. and listen to bands that never appeared. Alien Stock was a relative success. Fire the fire festival. They've sued these people. They're trying to take them down. These people showed up and they got like bologna sandwiches. <laughs> it was they paid twelve grand. Oh, they paid these wow. huge amounts for what was supposed to be this really huge music festival, and it was a just it was like a hoax. I mean, it was a yeah, fraud. It was a fraud. Yeah. It did not live up to the surreal heights hinted at by millions of RS RSVP, but I I was busy. And then you flaked. Yeah, because I guess yeah. To yeah. a joke event on Facebook page devoted to memes. All the media attention throughout the summer failed to translate into equivalent real-life interest. But there was still fun to be had. 
whether it was basking in the desert solitude, yeah. and they say warmth, which yeah. is probably just hot, Heat. or meeting friendly people who were wowed that any event came together based on nothing but a meme. And the meme itself remains a fond memory. No one can take away how much fun people had online with it, even if Alien Stock itself wasn't the phenomenon that Roberts predicted it would be. And it really was kind of a cool... It was It fun. was really kind of cool concept. The lead-up was fun. I actually thought they were going to... I really thought it was going to happen the way they thought it was going to happen. and Because people are crazy. Yes, they, they are. They will do it. And uh, But I think it just it bombed up. People are like, yeah, okay, well... Especially since the government straight up came out and said, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get shot. Yeah, you're just, we will <laughs> shoot you. <laughs> that kind of takes the fun out of parties. You know? It really does, yeah. <laughs> one dead body and the fun is over. The alleged contamination of Area 51 was more or less intentional. Where are we now? The Atomic Energy Commission. We're, we're going back now. Okay, the, say we're not. We're, we're not, back to this. That's the end of it. That's the end of the story for. For the festival. And now we're rolling back in. Okay. Yeah, we're rolling back into uh, the uh, dark, the unknown side of Area Fifty One, or the known side. The Atomic Energy Commission, the U.S. Air Force, and defense contractor E.G. and G. Design Project Fifty Seven. During the project, the U.S. government detonated America's first dirty bomb in the Nevada desert to simulate an accidental nu nuclear catastrophe. The agencies endeavored to see the results of a nuclear bomb-carrying Air Force plane crashing in an urban setting. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> they needed a location that could be relinquished for 20,000 years, making Area 51 ideal. Jacobson describes how they built mock-ups of sidewalks, curbs, and pavement pieces in the desert landscape. To determine the outcome of automobiles exposed to plutonium, Project 57 parked cars and trucks along, among the juniper bushes and Joshua trees. Researchers tethered giant air sampling balloons to the earth, which floated at various elevations. Some were five feet off the ground and others a thousand feet up, giving... The testing site, a circus-like feel. Oh, yeah, look how pretty it is. Yeah, Scientists you placed... sure we're not still talking about Storm Area 51? Oh, but no. <laughs> Wait, now. Scientists placed 10 sheep... Oh, I knew this was going to get your attention. <laughs> Nine burrows and more than what? What else? 100 beagles! Beagles! Oh. And 31 pale rats <laughs> in <laughs> cages <laughs> facing the bomb. Oh, I hope they put some of the ugly children in there, too. <laughs> some workers at Area 51 allege... Beagle they killers. were unprotected from the dangers of nuclear testing. Well, Can you imagine? Well, if it's those guys with those glasses yeah. in those trenches, blown back. They're like the stuff's blowing all back on them. Yeah, well, you put beagles out there, you dicks. Former Area 51 security guard Richard Mingus, an interview subject for Jacobson Book, witnessed numerous nuclear explosions without adequate protection. Mingus, who was in his 80s, when Jacobson spoke with him, lived a long life despite his lengthy exposure. That's interesting, though. I would think, I when I saw that, I went, "All oh, those guys are dead." Right. And really, not. They tracked though the government. Track. Actually, I have a relative that, yeah. that was there, and the, the. They tracked their health. I mean, they would always. There was a big deal about tracking their health, and I mean, they made it to, eighty, and it's just you know. Other former Area 51 employees, however, were not so lucky. Several workers and their widows filed suit against yeah, not everybody because yeah. probably depending on where they were. Well, yeah, this guy got probably through. was you know. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not watching. Yeah. Because they have these 
like goggles with really dark lenses and stuff. But that is yeah, that's gonna that's help. gonna help you. Yeah. Suit filed against the government, claiming the exposed toxic materials affected them. Area fifty one stayed exempt from supplying pollution reports oh, or abiding nice. by national, state, or environmental regulations. Periodic attempts to decontaminate Area fifty one remain closed. It's a secret. And the land is still a hazard. But how do you know it's a hazard if they won't tell you what's in there? A lack of cleanup efforts at Area 51 could have led to problems when crisis struck. A program like Project 57 helped scientists understand the extent of contamination in a dirty bomb's aftermath. But experiments did little to address the handling of hazardous waste and fallout. Yeah, we're, we suck at that. Yeah, we there really were no are. efforts to clean up after Project 57, which may have... Pro- proved helpful when a real nuclear crisis occurred in 1966. In January of that same year, a Strategic Air Command airplane carrying four armed hydrogen bombs collided in midair with a refueling tanker over Palmer. Now, I can imagine what that looked like. Yeah. Holy crap. In Palmer, Spain, one bomb landed with it. This is like some comical sh- I mean, I hate to say it. I know people died. But this is like, God, get your act together. I mean, we're just running, aircraft they, running into each other. Shouldn't they it's at like, least put them in an ice chest or something? I don't know, but I think that, you know, the aliens that crashed into Roswell were piling the same thing because they're crashing too. One bomb landed without damage and one became lost at sea. But two detonated, exposing their... What does that mean? They detonated, exposing their... Nuclear. They just kind of detonate and not blow up anything? or I don't know. They just have detonated enough to expose their... It just doesn't make a ton know, of sense to me. All the fish in the area were done. The conditions of Palomares were similar to those in the Nevada desert in Los Alamos. The 800 workers who helped the cleanup didn't have a solid plan. Jesus. Yeah. One tackled the contaminated land while another looked for the lost bomb. Oh, yeah. I'd be looking with one eye. I'm not... Over the three bomb, you want to find it. No. Over the next three months, workers recovered more than 1,400 tons of radioactive soil and plant life, which workers removed and disposed of at a Savannah River plant and stuff. So what? Oh, they just put it in the freaking river. No, Savannah River plant, Deb. It's in the river. You think they just just have these dump trucks full of contaminated soil and plants and they go, well, we took it here, but then we put it in. It's just South Carolina. It's just going to go down into the ocean. It'll be fine. It'll, the dirt will filter it. That's what dirt does. The, it's diatomaceous earth. It filters. It's DE. Yeah. The defense nuclear DE's carcinogen too. So yeah. you know. Well, that's why. The def, the defense nuclear agency conceded that the extent of the plutonium particles scattered by the wind carried as dust and ingested and excreted elsewhere by earthworms. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Will never be known. The Pentagon publicly denied they lost one bomb, only admitting to the blunder after the divers found it on the ocean floor. Yeah. Did they just That's where you're there? looking for something like, mm-hmm, I'm not looking for anything. Holy I'm just, crap, what's that? I'm just walking around. Do you know that was down there? The secret activity is at Area 51 may have prevented war with North Korea. Jacobson, Jacobson describes how, in 1967... President Lyndon Johnson commissioned Operation Black Shield and ordered Operation Oxcart to Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan. Pilots flew missions to photograph surface-to-air missile locations and search for crashed planes in North Vietnam. In 1968, the Air Force used A-12 planes to locate the USS Pueblo, a U.S. Navy ship anchored 
near North Korea. The Pueblo was reportedly conducting scientific research, but North Korea quickly captured the vessel. They're just not friendly. Yeah. The U.S. developed a plan to go to war with North Korea, but through the efforts of Oxcart pilots, the U.S. located the Pueblo and moved the incident toward a diplomatic solution. According to Jacobson, programs like Operation Oxcart have largely done their job in keeping the U.S. safe against military threats. America's first stealth bomber was possibly developed in Area 51, Jacobson. Jacobson says the F-117 Nighthawk, the first stealth bomber engineered by the U.S. military, was one of many projects conducted at Area 51. The craft's development began during the 70s, and when construction began on the aircraft in 1979, it took place. They started constructing that thing in 79? I didn't know it was even that old. That's wild. The facility called Area 52, a.k.a. Tonopah Test Range, modeled off of Area 51. Areas 51 and 52 collaborated on the confidential F-117 Nighthawk through Area 51 and more experience with covert aircraft. Testing for the MiG program occurred in Area 51 also. It, became, it wasn't until 1988 when the public became aware of the new radar immune technology. All right, Deb, well, now you know. Now I know. Area 51. Very interesting. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to the Alien Probe Podcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at alienprobe.net. Check us out on YouTube, 64,000 views. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Twitter at Alien Probe Pod. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. Dr. Bill should be back in a couple weeks. I've been talking to him on and off, and um, he is working on some fun stuff. So looking forward to that. See you next time.